Welcome to The Quarantine Tapes, a daily podcast from Onassis, L.A. and Dublin. Hosted by Paul Holdengraber, this series chronicles shifting paradigms in the era of social distancing. Hello, this is Nick. Nick, hello, Nick Clady. This is Paul Holdengraber calling you from the quarantine tapes. I'm so pleased that you could take my call this evening. Thank you so very much. Hey, you're very welcome, Paul. Thanks for reaching out. I'm really excited to uh, speak with you this evening. Likewise. Tell me where I find you at this moment and how you've been living your quarantine. Sure. So at this moment, I am by myself in... um, small office in a residential building in downtown Los Angeles. I've been um, working from uh, an office today on my own and otherwise have been living my quarantine life like I imagine many others have as well, um, staying mostly at home um, while enjoying getting out in LA's streets, uh, trails, so at least a little bit more recently, and um, enjoying the benefits of Southern California's plentiful sunshine uh, when I can. When you when you say you're in an office downtown, what kind of work do you have there? If you could tell our listeners what kind of work you do. Sure. So I'm, a, I'm an urban planner. I work for a small um, consulting firm, small planning consulting firm, a permit expediter, if you will. Uh, this firm focuses on a lot of hospitality-based uh, projects, so hotels, bars, restaurants, also um, housing and a lot of uh, adaptive reuse projects, meaning those that uh, reuse historic buildings um, to, serve a, to serve a new purpose, like uh, a lot of downtown um, L.A. buildings are. So I'm an I'm a urban planner uh, by day, and then I also am an electronic music producer and DJ. So by, by night, you, you wear um, another hat, as it were, and then you're, you're part of a group uh, called Lana, which is the Los Angeles Nightlife Alliance. And I'd love you to tell us what this alliance is and what Lana's mission is before the pandemic, now during, and hopefully after the pandemic. Sure, happily. Uh, so the Los Angeles Nightlife Alliance, or LANA, is a um, community-based um, organization that advocates for and uh, convenes Los Angeles independent nightlife community. Uh, I could trace back the origination of our group to late 2018, early 2019, where a number of individuals who were active and had various roles in LA's nightlife scene began convening, um, having taken inspiration from um, places like London, Amsterdam, Berlin, uh, Paris, and even um, San Francisco, New York, places that had formed or were beginning to form either um, or, uh, governmental or sort of quasi-private governmental organizations that would focus on and advocate for uh, nightlife in a more formal capacity. So in a lot of places, these are referred to uh, nightmares or night czars. Um, in New York, you have the Office of Nightlife that's under 
the economic development wing of the mayor's office. And, and as we were looking around Los Angeles, we were realizing that um, nothing like we, we didn't really see that anything like that existed. So we kind of started where we could by uh, convening uh, and organizing our community, uh, independent nightlife community. A lot of us came from, um, I would say, you know, the, the techno and house music scenes, but our, but our ranks have grown and, and diversified as well. Um, the, the mission of the organization is to uh, sort of community organize amongst ourselves. Um, we do do a lot of events, whether those are special trainings or panel discussions. Um, sort of town hall type based events uh, to sort of organize and then advocate on behalf of the independent nightlife community to um, the city government and and others uh, in order to address um, issues that we see as basically those that that create and participate in nightlife in Los Angeles. Why was it necessary to create this group? You said at one moment that Los Angeles didn't have it. So you saw a necessity, and what is that necessity? And well, I think Los Angeles' um, nightlife is unique in some ways in that a lot of the sort of most vital and vibrant uh, nightlife activity, is, 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 as far as we see it, uh, takes place in uh, basically unsanctioned type spaces. So I'm referring to warehouse parties, lost parties. Mm. Um, you know, and that's, and that's by necessity. You know, there, there are rules and regulations in Los Angeles, you know, um, that make it difficult to conduct what we would think are really sort of robust and, and vital and vibrant nightlife uh, totally within the rules, I guess. Um, we also kind of had a sense that there was uh, sort of a, a, a lag or a delay in, in sort of the broader recognition of nightlife as um, something that could be considered vitally important culture to uh, the city of L.A. I mean, L.A. has a lot of culture-driven economy mm. from, you know, of course, the movies, uh, fashion, mm. music um, as well. But we felt that there wasn't a uh, voice for sort of independent nightlife that we saw thriving uh, across the Southland every weekend, but it didn't really seem to have any sort of unified voice or representation, particularly one that could influence how... Uh, policies and regulations are sort of shaped and continue to evolve here in LA. So that's where the mayors come in. Right, right. And that's why we also wanted to sort of get organized as a group to identify what the priorities and the, and the needs of uh, Los Angeles independent nightlife were so that we could sort of present a, um, and continue to present a unified voice and unified front to um, city government, to local city government is, is what our focus um, is. What what was the last your last night out before? That's a good question. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a question you know that that has come to to that I've spoken about with a few guests, most notoriously with Linnell George, who so much remembers that last night out. Partly because what she saw and what she saw has been heightened in some way because it's the last time she could be with a group of people. Describe it to me. Bring me back. Sure. Tell me Interesting. The, and yeah. Tell me the date, first of all. Do you remember um, it? I actually have been asking this question to a lot of my friends. I think it is it kind of evokes some uh, resonant and, and warm feelings, you know, warm, some warm nostalgic feelings, you know, as well as some, some uh, sadness in that we cannot uh, participate in this joyful activity that many of us love so much. So my last night out was, uh, it must have been either, um, it must have been the first weekend in March, some DJs 
known as, they're, they're called Chaos in the CBD. We're playing a warehouse party on either a Friday or a Saturday night. And it was, you know, it was a, it was a cracking party. I would say it was going to be 300, 400 people in a, in a warehouse space that's, yeah. that's familiar to a lot of sort of uh, regular nightlife goers. And it was a fun, big party that went late into the night. And it was a, it was a pleasure to see folks who are my close friends DJing uh, and the crowd enjoying it. So it was, it was definitely, uh, I was, I was considered an above average party and an above average night even not knowing that it would be my my last so night you um, didn't you didn't you didn't suspect it would have been around the 7th or 8th of march or the 15th of march yeah it would have been yeah probably the 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 7th or either the 20th yeah i think it was actually february 29th which is the last saturday february uh leap year so i think at that time you know there was maybe some concern creeping around the edges of everyone's mind but you know but really really only the edges at that point Yeah, I would say the picture became much more clear over the next couple of weeks. And then, you know, as you know, in the middle of March, uh, the, the conditions changed drastically. You know, Nick, you, you were mentioning nostalgia, and I read a beautiful piece. I don't know if you happened upon it in, in the New York Times yesterday um, by Megan Abbott called What is New York Without New York Bars? Because I'm going to read a few lines from it. Sure. It, it begins sure. with one sentence, which is one paragraph. And maybe you can comment on that one sentence. I miss bars. She goes on to say, I miss the noise, the jostling shoulders, the promise the night offers. I miss a long, dark pour of Guinness and the gleaming liquor bottle standing sentry behind the bartender. I miss a cr crush for the ladies' room, graffiti decade thick. I miss the endless possibility in conversations overheard, lives intersecting. But what I miss most and almost lacerating intensity are the New York City bars. And then she goes on and she says, I miss drinking at the ear in, in Soho. I miss the changing crowds of a Manhattan bar. I miss Milano on East Houston Street. I miss the bars with jukeboxes. I miss the bars that came into my life because of their proximity to my favorite city haunts. And then I'll read you another passage in a moment. Just react to that. It makes my it makes my heart hurt. Um, mm, mm, mm. Uh, both you know both specifically for New York, which has obviously been hit very hard. Um, for um, the fact that you know in in New York, more so in LA, I think these bars serve a role as sort of your living room outside of of your apartment. You right, know, I, I right. spent a small part of my life living in New York, and it seemed like almost the goal or the modus operandi was to, you know, not be home for as long as possible to get the most out <laughs> yeah, of every yeah, day yeah. living, living in the city. Yeah. I, I feel a lot for friends and uh, everyone in New York who, who were basically that, that opportunity is now um, completely um, evaporated. You know, and my other uh, strong reaction is, you know, uh, all of that resonates with me and I, and I miss all of those sensations you know, really electrifying and exciting sensations. But, you know, what I would add and what I think is really at, at the core of my love of nightlife is sort of the communal and social enjoyment of music coming out of loudspeakers at high volume, mm, right? Right. Sort of that, um, that shared ecstasy that you get by being in a crowd and, and walking into a groove. 
that takes place at bars as well, but you know, also in nightclubs and you know, warehouses and, and raves, right? So all of that really resonates with me strongly. And, and you know, I would my first reaction is also adding the element of the the communal enjoyment of, of music and the sort of uh, joy and ecstasy that that can bring. That's very beautiful. Um, we'll come back to that essay, and you'll read it tonight. We'll come back. Mm -hmm. to, we'll come back to it in a moment. I know that mm -hmm. um, nightlife. I mean, you're talking not just about bars, but you're talking about nightlife in general. What kind of jobs does that encompass? It's an ecosystem, right? So you know, just sort of riffing off the top of my head. Of course, you have the DJ and the performer, who are the performers who are you know, the center of um, the musical attention for the night. Beyond that, you have bar staff that serve the drinks. You have security staff that either is working at the outside of the venue or within the venue. You have um, the, the people that are, that are providing the sound system and that are, that are doing the acoustic and the audio engineering that make it possible to have a loud night of music. Um, you know, beyond that, if you extend out, you have to get to and from the venue, you know? So we have um, Uber drivers and Lyft drivers serving the nightlife population and the nightlife community. So many, um, so have, many, so you know, many people are impacted. I mean, that's what, what is uh, tremendous uh, uh, about this pandemic. So many people are impacted. And I, I suspect your, your, your group is trying to figure out what comes after after this subsides. And I know that you conducted a survey for the nightlife workers, freelancers, business, and patrons impacted by COVID-19. What were the results of this survey? And did some of those results actually, Nick, surprise you? Um, you know, un unfortunately, the results were unsurprising. And okay. I, I say that in that, in that basically what we were reporting is that what we were seeing in our in our in the results of our survey is that essentially the the, the bottom has fallen out, you know, from really? from many people mm. active active in this world. I mean, you know, there are just opportunities to socialize and really make the most of nightlife have essentially uh, been eliminated by the need to socially distance. You know, nightlife is uh, a really uh, has a lot of ingenuity and and uh and adaptability and nimbleness and i think we've seen a lot of beautiful efforts to regain some of those feelings of community and ecstasy making the most of uh, you know did you know telecommunication and, and and wireless technologies but the fact of the matter is that you know the real energy and the real sort of uh beauty of what i sort of cherish and hold dear and work on and think about and Uh, my colleagues and Lana and many, many more other people is, you know, that feeling of, of uh, being together and sort of chasing that uh, communal, communal joy based around sort of music and, and culture and, and being together and being a little bit wild and, um, but mostly being together in, you know, in what, you know, sometimes is a really sort of could be seen as crazy environment, high temperatures, a lot of bodies packed together, you know, as that, as that uh, passage you quoted from alluded to um, loud, loud sounds. I mean, those right. are sort of some of the ingredients that are, uh, in, in my mind, essential. Nick, don't you think that people will, after this, this, uh, um, this moment of seclusion, precisely want to come back together for um, a, a loud night together, close to others? Couldn't that be one of the the ways in which one could imagine 
the future in in one's yeah absolutely in one's I, more optimistic moments i uh, rather than the you know the dire forecast which you seem to 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 paint which i'm sure is based on on the results which you wish were different absolutely i think there will be a uh, a tremendous amount of of pent up energy and you know really strong desires to be in these in these situations again And, you know, I'm confident that eventually, uh, in some shape or form, they will uh, return. Where I'm a little bit more cynical and pessimistic is, is how, um, how quickly that will happen right. and how many of, um, how much of sort of the existing nightlife infrastructure will remain. Will survive. Um, when, well, how much will survive when it's all said and done. And, you know, again, who and how will who knows? on Yeah, who knows? And you were mentioning that Lana has connections now with, with other uh, cities. You went as far as Berlin and elsewhere, London. Um, have, you, have you discussed best, best practices for reopening? What have, you, what have you learned from other cities? I know that, for instance, South Korea... Um, is a real cautionary tale. Yeah, so you know there there is a sort of a budding network and and cottage industry of folks like myself and you know the nightmare of you know Amsterdam and right. uh, the club commission in Berlin, the office of nightlife in New York City, and you know that I'm part of a, a free flowing uh, WhatsApp conversation with a lot of people where there are constant updates on. <laughs> how um, all these various, you know, places across the world are, are dealing with opening back up. So, yeah, there, there's, you know, it's, it's very much a, a global network of, of folks thinking and caring about this stuff and, and keeping each other updated on how the world is, the world of, of, of nightlife and nighttime culture specifically is uh, beginning to sort of reopen um, what, the, what the nascent challenges are and what, uh, what sort of, little glimmers of hope and optimism can be gained in sort of sharing that information. So yeah, you, you cited, you cited soul. And I think, you know, this, this story is maybe not more than two or three weeks old where they That's reopened right. a number of, reopened up a, a number of nightclubs because their metrics were, um, you know, going down in a, in, in a positive direction. And, you know, the, the authorities felt that it was possible to reopen some clubs. Um, from, from, from what I've read, um, it had to do with, uh, you know, one, um, infected individual who made a visit to, you know, three, three or five, three to five nightclubs over the course of one night. And it resulted in a uh, mini outbreak and the authorities in Seoul, uh, moved quickly to shut it down. I also recently read that, um, in a response to that mini outbreak, South Korea conducted 46,000 tests of individuals wow. um, just just related to that one. And so that, you know, I think that is the closest, at least what I'm aware of, of a, of a, of a reopening of nightclubs of sorts. I think what's happening in other uh, cities in terms of sort of regulatory relief and changes is that they're opening up places like bars and restaurants and particularly those that can take advantage of adjacent outdoor space to sort of take up more space and, and do more social distancing while also allowing be able people to be able to uh, congregate once again i mean the the notion of social distancing and parties really just doesn't go together does it at all 
No, and that's and that's then that's not lost on many of us. You know, I'm, there sure was, uh, I'm sure uh, not. You know, I'm sure not. I'm sure. I'm sure for you it must be. I mean, even the notion of social distancing and you know, loud music and parties. I mean, it's so it's so impossible to to comprehend what will happen after this passes, and also with all with a bottom falling out, as you said what will what will come in its place and i imagine that you must be be worried about those those places that used to be bars that might become something else and might you know the 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 the, the progress of gentrification as it were is is worrisome in this context yeah absolutely um you know i think it kind of goes both ways, right? Once you give someone a permit or permission to start doing something in a space, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I do as a planner is get permissions to conduct certain activities in certain spaces. It's hard to take away, but I think also, you know, the, the way, the other way that it goes is that in um, a world of highly financialized real estate that is worth more and more in dense urban centers like Los Angeles. Right. At least it used to be worth more and more, you know, prior to the to the pandemic. I think that's another sort of broader topic, you know, how, how our cities will, will will resume or how our cities will go back to functioning as cities. You know, once once you uh, once you take that away, once you take that permission away or once it goes away because it can no longer survive, it's it's a lot harder to put it back in place. So, you know, in in, in real estate, in, in urban development as it relates to nightlife, there's what's called the agent of change principle. And it's, it's uh, codified and institutionalized in both London and in Berlin where, you know, if there is a development that will change something to do with a property that's adjacent to an existing, you know, nightclub for the purpose of, of, of uh, this conversation, it is uh, the responsibility of the developer to mitigate the impact of those nightclubs, you know, the biggest impact is the noise, of course, from the new residents, because I think there were just too many stories of apartment buildings opening near nightclubs and um, sort of a slow death of a death by a thousand cuts for these nightclubs mm. as they mm. had to contend with noise complaints um, and coexisting with, you know, residential uses. I mean, I think a lot of uh, nightclubs are, are purposely located in places away from residences. You know, whether that be, you know, formerly vibrant downtown core areas, uh, warehouse, loft type districts, right? I mean, you know, a lot of these places are located away from residences because they do have externalities and impact. They're, they're, so, you know, that, that's a concept that is, that is recognized. There, you know, this, this, this article, which I, I just can't wait for you to read by Megan Abbott, what is, the New, what is New York without New York bars? There's one paragraph which really spoke to me, where she writes the following, In this precarious moment, the bars I find myself missing most are those that transport me to the past, to New York City of 30 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, or more. Bars that endured three or four wars, prohibition, and the Great Depression, and fought to city drop dead. Bars that endured the Spanish flu, and thus seemed to whisper a promise to me that they'll endure this pandemic. Mm. Mm. You know, my, my first reaction to that is that Los Angeles is just such a younger city. Than right. Right. New York. Right. And 
New York obviously changes uh, at, at the blink of an eye, uh, but but so does so does um, Los Angeles. So you know, I'm not sure that I feel the same nostalgia for the past in Los Angeles. I mean, I I, I understand that that passage to mean that she is sort of pulling inner strength and optimism from sort of thinking about the resiliency of right. you know these bars that that have made it through so much and will hopefully make it make it through this as well. Um, you know, for me, Los Angeles has always been such a sort of future-facing city. You know, I think in a lot of instances, things happen here first. You know, cultural movements, cultural activities, they happen here first, and then, you know, they kind of uh, promulgate and, and, and get broadcast and transmitted to other places in the world. Obviously, I've, I miss I miss a lot of the things that, that we lost. Um, you know, you know she says, Nick. She says a little later in the in the essay. She says, "What these bars? Uh, without these bars, I feel unmoored, lost. I miss my city. That brings me to the last thing I miss: the bars we've already lost to gentrification, to escalating rents, and sometimes just to time itself." Mm-hmm. And that's a feeling I think that. We, we can imagine the um, the nostalgia for something one one does, didn't even really know. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a powerful feeling. So are I'm, you I'm thinking I, about? Yeah, I know. No, I, I I love I love the silences because it 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 causes us to pause in this moment where we we have to pause. Give me in the last few minutes we have. Give me the best case scenario. You know. You know, because of sort of this, the dual nature of my life, you know, I, I think about rules and regulations all the time, how to interpret codes, yeah. how to find opportunities within the rules, and then, you know, how to also simply uh, abandon and disregard the rules that don't serve us well. Right, right, right. right. And, 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 um, and one can only really break rules if one knows them. Right. And, you know, I'll just be... You know, I don't know how to put make it as directly as possible. I mean, you know, Los Angeles nightlife as it exists, as it existed, as I know it, and as I love it, mm. simply would not exist if it operated within the parameters of what the rules currently allow. You know, you have thousands of party goers every weekend going out to warehouse spaces that probably have more people in them than would be permitted otherwise. Go later and make more noise than would be permitted otherwise. And effectively have to exist outside of, um, you know, what what is permitted by by the rules and regulations that apply. I think that you know more than ever, um, as we are looking at all these rules and thinking about how um, the coronavirus has made them essentially pointless. I think what I take the most hope in, and what I'm the most excited about, is looking to how we can sort of cast those rules, processes, agencies, bodies that don't really serve us well, how we can sort of leave those in the past and create a new framework, new regulatory framework and new parameters um, that, that allow us to, to come back and allow, you know, the, the incredible um, communal, creative, cultural energy that exists and that is constantly sort of churning and fermenting in a place like LA to come back. Right. And so this is already starting to happen. I mean, the, The department, California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, regulates the sales of alcohol 
is now allowing restaurants and bars to do cocktails to go, right? Which which wasn't possible before. I realize it's a pretty small thing, right? It's not, but it's it's not something change the world. But you know, I don't think I don't think that that prohibition needs to be put back in place once you know the the world starts to operate and, and behave in a way that's a little bit closer to how it used to be before. You know, similarly, right now, that's the same agency and you know Department of City Planning is trying to make it easier to use outdoor space for outdoor dining and outdoor seating. I think this is happening in a lot of places. It's sort of the low hanging fruit as as the as you know cities and cultural hubs and centers look to reopen, you know, make it easier to, to put seating on the sidewalk as long as it allows people to, to continue to pass through, make use of parking lots or other outdoor spaces, you know, make it easier for people to enjoy those spaces because we are not going to be able to go back to, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder in a loud, busy restaurant, which obviously is a wonderful and enjoyable vibe. Of We're not going to be back there yeah. soon. So let's think about how we can use our space differently. Nick. Similar with, you know, closing streets, you know, streets to car traffic to create more space. I mean, L.A. is notoriously park poor, right? right. Um, so right. use the public space a little bit better. Well, let's 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 hope that um, the, the, the pandemic is in a way uh, a, 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 an invitation for us to think differently and perhaps a portal to a, a new kind of way of congregating in a city like, like Los Angeles. Nick, it's been a pleasure to speak to you and I, I hope someday um, uh, to party with you in a very loud space, something I've done very little in my life, but <laughs> maybe now is the time. Maybe now is the time and I, I, I feel like with you i might have the best guide time time to uh think about things differently paul absolutely yeah, it's, and and it's, and it's, and to have a good guide in the city to to party is something i relish thank you uh, so it would be, much it would be my absolute pleasure paul and and this conversation was too thank you very very much take good care of yourself you as well paul enjoy your night bye 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 to support this show and dub labs progressive programming Go to dublab.com slash support 